When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Hey, welcome to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Patton Oswalt. I'm Meredith Salinger. Hey, Patton. Hi, Meredith. (laughs) We are again Zooming from different rooms. Um, We're at the same house, but he's got his cast on and he can't uh, walk. And I can't wait to tell you about all of the amazing adventures. Oh, wait a minute. I haven't left this room all week. (laughs) I haven't bathed in four days. I haven't bathed in four days. There's no reason. Which... Which is why it's nice that we're not sleeping in the same exactly. room. Um, you haven't moved, but I certainly have. I Everywhere. had to go to the DMV oh. to get you uh, – you, uh, you need this um, – you're not using crutches. You're using like a little wheelie scooter thing for yeah. your knee for a broken leg, which is quite helpful actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cumbersome and heavy, and I have to put it in the back seat whenever I take you anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then I need to open the doors really wide to get it out of the back seat. Yeah. And so your doctor prescribed you a temporary handicap placard. So he gave, you know, I'm doing everything for you. So he gave me the form and I, we filled it out. And I, one day I had a little bit of time. I had, you know, I sep- I put out time to do this. Yeah. So I drove to AAA because they can do it for you. And mm-hmm. it's sometimes less of a wait than the DMV. So I drove to AAA and I'm waiting in line and I'm, you know, being a diligent person with all my stuff that I need. I need By the way, before, driver's license. Before your- Meredith goes on here, I was letting you know, as is, did you get my text tradition? Our first story is very frustrating and depressing. And then things oh, is this get frustrating more- and depressing? Well, the way it ends is very frustrating and depressing, but go ahead. But I'm just saying, I just love how we are falling into our usual patterns of we're telling you our worst story first. And then we get to the good story. Yeah, What's exactly. That a worst story? Go ahead. I just waited in line for like an hour, and then I finally got to the front, and I was all prepared with your insurance card and your driver's license and a letter from you authorizing me to da 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 da. And I hand the guy the form, and he goes, "Oh, this is the 2018 form. You need the 2021 form." And I was like, "Well, can I see that form?" And he gave it to me, and I said, "Oh, it's all the same." He said, "Yeah, but the date on the bottom says 2021, not 2018." And I was like, "But it's all the same information. The DMV won't accept it if it's not the 2021 form." So I had to drive all the way back to Beverly Hills, all the way back to the valley. Anyway, long story short, we got you a temporary placard so that when you're in the car, I can move your stuff easily. And we are going to abuse the shit out of that. And we are not going to abuse it because I hate when people do that. (laughs) But it really does make you appreciate the struggle that someone who has to be in a wheelchair all the time or you need devices to help them get get around – all the struggles that they go through. There are so many non-compliant places that don't have 
handicap ramps. There's so many, I mean, even, you know, our house, you have to take stairs to get to our bedroom. If if yeah. there wasn't a bedroom downstairs, where would you be sleeping? You, our, you, our house I mean, is unless not... you crawl up on your butt. Yeah, there's a, there's a terrific young comedian named Joe Urell who has, um, who is confined to a wheelchair and has talked about a lot of the, um, you, you, cause we don't see it. You just, you're so used to your life that you don't take a second to go. This place that I go into all the time actually is very, very difficult to get in if you're in a wheelchair or if you are partially mobile. And, and yeah, a lot of residences, why. you're going to a dinner tonight at a friend's house and I can't join you because it, it would be impossible for me to get into their house because oh, yeah, of the stairwell. No can't get yeah. in there. But there are so many people advocating for um, disability rights and access uh, handicap accessible places. And it's just why it's so important to stand up for advocating for their rights as well. No pun like, intended. We have to protect everyone. What? I said no What's pun intended. Stand up for their rights. Listen. Um, oh, Oy vey. The, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, this is the most, I am experiencing the most limited inconvenience here. And it's, you know, it makes you it's inconvenient. Just, just making a a meal or or washing dishes in the kitchen. There are I, there are circuits I have to do because I always have to have stuff to my left because my right leg blocks everything. So I constantly have to keep doing these big circles around to get things done. And yeah. and and you don't think about that. And there are times when you go, I'm you know what? I'd rather just not take another big circle. I'm just not going to do this thing now. I don't care. Yeah, it's hard. So um, anyway, it's uh, week three. Of my immobility, and uh, I've basically turned into a TV and internet junkie because there's nothing else to do. And so the the month is halfway over as we're recording this. This is what I've watched just the there's first- nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. All right. <laughs> so here's what I've watched so far. Season one of The Midnight Gospel, eight episodes, half an hour apiece. Season one of Dark, 10 episodes, one hour apiece. Season one of The Book of Boba Fett. Well, I, was, this wasn't the whole month, but I finished it. Seven episodes. Season one of Mythic Quest, 11 episodes. Season one of How To with John Wilson, six episodes. Season, Dear God. Season one of Peacemaker, eight episodes. Season, Holy Jesus. Season four of Cobra Kai, 10 episodes. And I'm probably, I started season, season oh, two. Patton. I started season two of both Mythic Quest and How To with John Wilson. And we'll probably finish those later today. God help Can me. I interrupt for just one second? Yes. You wrote a book a long time ago called Silver Screen Fiend <laughs> about your obsession with movies. Yeah. And I am concerned. I think that's too much television. Oh, I think it's, that's it's insane. It's absolutely too much television. I think you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I no think kidding. that's too much, honey. No kidding. That's too much. It's crazy. I could wheel you outside and you could look at a bird. <laughs> Can I do that? Going out going out front, I've gone out front a couple of times. It's the the, the front uh, porch because of the bricks and, and the way the bricks are on the ground. It's actually weirdly treacherous where a couple times I've almost tipped over. So now I'm afraid to go out there even though I do need the, the vitamin D and the sunshine. So You really do? Yeah, do I maybe, need to carry you? No, what you know what I, I could do? Because the, the step in the garage is actually really shallow. So what I could do there is open the garage door myself, just, you know, pop down and then wheel out to the edge of the driveway okay. to stand in the sun. The bottom yeah. line is that's a lot of television and I'm concerned for your mental health. And it's a lot of television. Perhaps and you could read a book. Perhaps you could read a book. Perhaps you could be writing. Perhaps you well, could 
uh, I don't know, something else. That's a lot, babe. I know. Anyway, let's move on. So you saw all those billions of things. Meanwhile, I saw Inventing Anna, which, by the way, is fantastic. But um, so you saw that. Did it inspire you to write uh, your own Marvel trilogy or what? Something. Well, I mean, I am working. I am writing a uh, a, a screenplay, and I'm also writing a comic book, which I can't talk about either one right now. But the comic book, I'm definitely watching Peacemaker. Which uh, what they're doing in terms of storytelling and superheroes is pretty brilliant, and I'm trying to do something not along the same lines of Peacemaker, but more of a I don't want to say a piss take because a piss take implies that you don't like this uh, format and you you want to make fun of it. I love superheroes and supervillains. I want to just look at different angles of them. So that's you know it's it's definitely inspired the writing there. Well, I know I love that you're writing all that stuff, and I wanted to bring up a topic. Oh. Um, regarding that, in a way, you've been uh, doing everything your whole life. You've always been a comedian and a stand-up, and you write your jokes, and you write books. You're an author, mm -hmm. and you've been doing, and you're an actor, and you've been doing it your whole life simultaneously. Mm -hmm. My whole life, I've only ever been an actress mm -hmm. since I was 10 years old professionally. But the last two years, mm -hmm. things have uh, drastically changed in my life. <laughs> it's actually been over three, a little over three years now. Yeah. Um, and today, actually yesterday, I received two checks for two jobs that I'm working on, one as a writer wow. and one as a producer. And I've never received checks for those things before. I've been writing forever, but I never got paid to write and I, for an actual show. And I've always been producing and managing just as like, I connect everybody. I'm like what Malcolm Gladwell calls a connector. Yeah. And I've always put people together and I've always made things happen and I've, all those things. But I've never done it professionally where you get paid for it. And I got a check for both of those things and I'm going to be 52. And that's the first time I ever got uh, paid for something other than being an actress. That's awesome. I mean, I, did, I was a jello shot girl once in college, but besides <laughs> that... <laughs> There is no such thing as too late in the creative arts. There's just no such thing. That's what's great about a creative life is there is you can just suddenly veer and pivot into stuff that interests you and there's no such thing as well if you didn't start if you didn't start when you're 15, you know like I mean there, as, as much as I love athletics, they're very beautiful. A lot of times you need to start young. You need to like train that body young um, but with the creative arts, you can do it forever. You can do it forever. I mean, there's a billion instances of situations like this where you hear, like, J.K. Rowling was X amount of years old when she first mm -hmm. got paid. You know, there's all these amazing examples of people who've, you know, housewives at home who invented something and they become huge inventors. Like, it's just, now, it's not even a thing. I guess, basically, I'm, like, marveling at it when it happens all the time, but I'm marveling at it because it happened to me. And it must be wonderful I, to experience it happening to you, absolutely, but you now yeah. are part of this great thing that's been going on for a while, which is fantastic. Which, which is, is no you're not just one thing. Also, it's sort of hopeful for people because everything kind of happened late for me. I got married at 47, became a mom at 47, mm -hmm. and uh, got my first check as official producer and writer at 51. Everything for you ever, either happened early or late. Yeah. There was no just middle ground. It was just, I'm 15 years no, old, I'm starring in a movie, and now I'm 51, and I'm being paid as a writer and producer for the first time. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. 
Wow. Anyway, I'm proud of myself. I think, you know how like when you open a bakery and you sell your first donut and you put the like dollar that you got on the back? I kind of feel like I want to put those two like producing check and writing check in a little frame. Frame and, them. And put like a little gold bar like producer and then a little gold bar that says writer. <laughs> you should try to find your first check for Annie, frame that and put the year 1980 and then further down the plaque, put the producer and writer check and then write 2022. And then also a movie that I did over the summer got into South by Southwest. Which means we are both going to go to South by Southwest and your first experience at South by Southwest is going to involve helping your weird uh, wounded husband hobble, husband. hobble around. Uh, That's not the first time I've been to a film festival, by the way. No, I, I mean, it, I've been to them first... since I was little, but I'm just saying it, it's in a while. It's been a, it's been a long time since a film I've been in has been at a festival. It's your first South by Southwest. It is my first South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's exciting. Um, should we take a break and come right back and talk about other fun things? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, we're back. Uh, so, did you get my text, Meredith, of the video? Uh, this is a passenger ferry in Germany, which was out in rough seas, and this huge wave comes crashing through the front windows. The windows give, and water, again, like a like an effect you would see on the Universal Studios tour, this wall of water comes rushing into the ferry and takes out I... the front rows of commuters <laughs> that are sitting there, and then the, whoever's filming it, beautiful pans to the people sitting in the back, uh, and then their reaction... Uh, so you, you watch this, right? Tons of water. I did watch right. it. I, and the back people have tons of water coming in. They didn't get hit in the face with it the way no. the first like five people in front must have gotten hit with shattered glass Ugh. and water. I hope they're okay. And the back, I hope they're okay. They said they were okay. And the back people just had r water coming in and then they all started like hustling to exit because yeah. clearly this thing's about to sink. But <laughs> watch, like... watch the video again. Here's what I love so much about it. Here's the part that fascinates me. They, the, the, the guy is shooting, the water comes through the front window, smash, people are knocked over. He zips back to the people sitting in the back row. A couple of people sitting at their tables, they look up and they watch this happen, but they don't react at first because I feel like we are now at a state in the year 2022, we watch so much, <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. we watch so much crazy stuff on our phones, on TV, on the internet, that I think there's now a lag time when craziness happens in front of us where our brain has the processing chip now of, wait, is this actually happening or am I just watching this on my phone? Because everyone that looks up is also on their phone. So it takes them a longer amount of time to react to real life coming at them, which I thought was amazing. That is so cool. This is sort of what I thought about that. That they kind of look up, the people in the back look up and see this insane wave and clearly the people in the front got shattered with glass yeah. and ocean and water's pouring in. But they're looking up and I think there have been so many videos of these kinds of things happening. And so you look up and instead of going, holy shit, what am I looking at? It's more like, this is happening. I know what to do. And I think people are preparing themselves more now because it seems to me that Oh. Chaos is being thrown left and right at people, and it's like we've seen, we've seen the crazy person on the airplane. I think, um, you know, 
causing havoc in the sky oh, and God, the passengers yeah. and what they do. And I think everyone who sees those is like, oh God, what would I do in that situation? And I think a lot of the tragedies and or chaotic things that happen, we are prepared mentally because there's been so much of it, we kind of know what to do. Just like, and this is a horrible thing and I want to move past it once I say it, but like school shootings, they now have drills for kids yeah. to know what to do instead of going, oh my God, what's happening? I don't know what to It's terrible. That is horrific. But right. my point is that when a tragedy or natural disaster or whatever strikes, we've seen enough of them to go, here's, this is what I've thought about and I'm ready. I'm yeah, escaping it's, now. It's almost like we've been given chaos rehearsals for what would we do when Havoc strikes, to to say the name of that old TV series from the 70s. Um, yeah, but, and, 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 but also... That yes, that leads to some good stuff. Like you're right, people now have this moment that we have a moment of zen of just a second to go gather your stuff. What are you going to do now? This is happening, but it also leads to some truly horrific stuff. Like you were saying, you would think after the, a couple of school shootings, we would say ban guns and not let's drill kids on how to survive a school shoot. You know what I mean? Like, like right. is there was a a heavy metal band that I'm not going to name. But apparently their drinking had gotten so bad that they couldn't control their bowels anymore. They, they were all such alcoholics. And their solution was not – in other words, a couple of them shit their pants on stage. And, there's, and, and it didn't make them go, hey, we should get into AA because I just shit my pants on stage. Their solution was they added adult diapers to their uh, riders, to their concert oh riders. Lord, that's so So they could keep drinking. And so, so it's weird when the solution – implies that the the person has just given up. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable that, you know, you find out when you know cancer kills and we pour millions and billions of dollars into cancer research, um but regarding guns, which is now the number one leading cause of death yeah. among people under I think 19. It's the number one leading cause of death for children in our country. The number one Reason for death. In different facets, and, too. And they don't... That, like, school shootings, them shooting each other, and also suicides. Like, all of that. Yeah. And we don't throw money to that, and nobody puts legislation. And even though we're trying so hard, there are millions of people whose children have been taken from them and who've been advocating, people like Fred Gutenberg, and there is legislation being put to have gun safety laws and to have them put in lockboxes that are easily accessible, even more, just as easy as calling 911. You can grab your gun from a locked box. They have the technology to make it open quickly these days, but there's such resistance on so many Republicans to get this kind of legislation passed, and you don't know why. And it's and, and when you know it's the leading cause of death, why aren't you working harder? Anyway, that's depressing. <laughs> what else, baby? Well, hang on. Wait a minute. I want to look at this a little more because I love the idea that everything comes with a positive and a negative. So yes, the fact that there are there's footage of crazy people on on airplanes or Karens in stores yelling at people and, and slinging racial epithets, everyone now has time to sit around and what would I do in that situation? We talk to each other. What would you do? You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What would you do if you were under arrest, under suspicion well, of murder? Well, that's the whole, that's why people like watching Dateline. It's like you watch it to sort of prepare yourself for those moments. It's sort of like a psychological prep test. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, 
you watch these things and you figure out how to protect yourself. There's another piece of footage. I don't know if I sent it to you. I, I will, but it just dropped today. And I'm not celebrating this. I don't like violence, but an argument has broken out in an Applebee's. It looks like an Applebee's or a Shoney's or a, a place like that. And it's an old white dude and an African-American guy. And the old white dude slings the N-word at this guy. And and then everyone in the place just goes, oh, no. And then here we go. The, the black dude just goes, that no, that's it. And you can tell he starts slapping this guy. And I mean, it, it's insane. He should. Yeah, oh, he, no, absolutely. Fucking slap the But I he, would he also, he telegraphs the slaps. Like, I'm showing you what I'm about to do, and you cannot stop it. I'm so angry right now. But it really feels like the, the black guy who's doing the slapping has watched so many videos of, of white people yelling the N-word that he's like, if that ever happens to me, here's what I'm going to do. So it, it's we're not at this point where that will always immediately be answered. And the guy, like even the employees of the restaurant, to their credit, they just immediately get up and walk away like, I'm not going to be a witness to this because I don't want the black guy to get in trouble. I'm just going to walk away and then exactly. come back later and go, I came back, this white guy was lying on the ground. you know. And even though the white guy's wife is begging him to stop trying to duck, she knows what's coming. And at this point, it's like, if you're going to, you are absolutely free to use the N-word whenever you want, and you must absolutely absorb the consequences. Well, you know, saying something like that, even though it's verbal and not physical, it is an act of violence. Yeah. It, saying something like that is throwing such weighted words with such history behind it, and, and it's just so fucking awful it feels like violence and it does it promotes violence and it 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 does it escalates violence even that guy should have been fucking slapped yeah well also it's a provocation because it's it's the white guy saying i'm going to use this word for which i know you have no answer to you don't have an equal word you can sling back at me exactly and the The only only thing you you have back is is violence. violence and i am i am counting on my superiority that you won't answer with violence or I'm drawing you out I'm gonna say this and and if you respond with violence of any kind you're the one who's gonna get in trouble because you put your hands on me and now you're going to jail yeah and I think it's not just it's you know at some point these people don't mind getting hit it seems like (laughs) you know they know what the consequences is gonna are gonna be and um but this one sadly when they respond that way these people the, the responders who are in there very right. I mean, clearly nobody wants to resort to violence. Right. But that's almost like you, it, it is so deserved in that situation. Well, it also gets back but it, to But the- it's a slap. It's not a gun. Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Obviously, now, that's why gun regulations have to happen too. And it's such a humiliating slap because if you watch the video, he goes out of his way to telegraph each slap. Like, here it comes. Oh, there's more than he, one? Oh, he <laughs> just... He works this guy like a paddle ball. It is so amazing. Like the guy. I like that it's a slap and not a punch. Exactly. And but but because it's so much more humiliating. But then what? Yeah, exactly. He he so emasculates the guy. He like he hits him the way you would hit a child who's acting up in a mall. Like you're just like come over here, bam. And um, but then oh my god, hey listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, wait a minute. We don't violence. By the way, and we don't hit and we kids don't hit kids in malls. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was so funny. You know, but yeah, you could you. You see those people who do. Yes, and it's very humiliating. And also, like, then there's another video that just came out. These two teens are in a mall, and they are starting a fight. One teen is black, one teen is white, and they're both shoving each other, and they're both escalating. And then it turns into a fist fight, and the cops come running over, and they sit the white kid on a 
sofa in the middle of the mall and tell him to sit, and then they cuff the black kid. And oh then, my god, I heard about this. And then, the, and then the white kid, the white teen, gets to stand up with the cops and starts yelling at the black kid who's been cuffed, even though oh they were both god. slinging at each other. The the cops oh swarm the black kid, cuff him, <gasps> and they just tell the white oh. kid, "You just sit here for a second. And it's just, it's so, like, what the fuck is happening? I hope those police get, uh, I don't know, reprimanded and or suspended. That's hideous. It just, what, what, what sucks about white people provoking black people is, like we were saying earlier, if, if they drop the N-word and that's the ultimate provocation and mm-hmm. a, a black person retaliates with violence, then a lot of these white racists go... That's how these people are, you see? I mean, yeah. all I was doing was... Just like... It was yeah. just... Uh, I was just using words, and apparently, you know, like... Right. And, and it just... I was just ugh. walking around with a gun, like Kyle Rittenhouse. I was just holding my gun, walking into a Black Lives Matter crowd, when they started running, coming towards me. What, what am I, I supposed mean, I had to, to do? I shoot them. What am I supposed to do? Ugh, I hate... Why, you know, I... What's wrong with white people? It's fucking horrible. Yeah. We... I, they're the worst. Anyway. Oi! Anyway, let's get off race, because, dear God, we could talk about this forever. So, so we went from, hang on, we went from a wave crashing into a German ferry into <laughs> to, to a slap fight at Injustice. Applebee's, which someone, someone hashtagged that video, Slapplebee's, which mwah, I love it. And then, <laughs> and then there's a really, really bummer video of the two teens. What? That, oh God! Are we gonna? Fighting. Oh, that but one I'm just you're saying, talking about. That's the that's oh. the path that this took. So. I mean, literally, you could do this for hours. Yeah, There's sorry. A I don't... Example of this everywhere across the nation at all times, and you just wish can't you all just be normal people? Stop provoking <laughs> it. What is wrong with you? Can you? What is? Where is? How come kindness doesn't exist? Is that is that what this is? There's half the country is kind and half isn't. Kind, anyway, kindness I hate exists. This conversation. It just, I would like to move on. Kindness exists. It just never goes. It rarely goes viral. Like. Violence and meanness does. Well, some goes viral, clearly. Well, that's why viral, God bless but, Rex but, Chapman on Twitter. All he does is promote sweet videos of, of good stuff, trying to get people to go, see, do stuff like this. Can you do this? Yeah. <gasps> hey, Patton, what? you know what? What? This was also depressing. How do we take a break <laughs> and come back to something really happy? All right. Something happy. Well, what's Pat fun Oswald, and funny, what is uh, fun and yeah, funny from today, from this morning, my writing partner, uh, the amazing Jordan Blum, who wrote uh, Modoc with me and is uh, we're writing a comic book together now, uh, took his sons to school and his youngest son, uh, who is a toddler, they dressed him in a um, his son, little son wanted to wear a Spider Man outfit, and he is wearing a full Spider Man outfit, and he put pictures of this, um, and he's in his little stroller and. And, and the little thread, this little text, this little Twitter thread of taking his older son to school who was embarrassed by his little brother who is wearing the Spider-Man outfit, who then when they got to school, jumps out of the stroller and is doing Spider-Man stuff everywhere. And he will not take the costume off. He was refusing. And the day is going on. As, as, as we're speaking, it's now 2.30. He posted this this morning. I don't think the kid has taken the Spider-Man costume off yet. He has it on. He loves it. He will not remove it. Sometimes when kids get into a costume, they get into a mode and they just want to stay in that mode. I totally get that. Um, I, I, I remember being that way when I'm like, I'm a wolf man now. I'm leaving my wolf man mask on. I'm never taking this off. So that, uh, well, especially now because I haven't shaved. You're but, still um, a wolf man, baby. One, one Halloween, we went to a friend's house 
for trick-or-treating, and Alice um, was dressed as a zombie girl and stood at the bottom of their driveway holding up this sign saying, beware of zombies, but she wouldn't move. And she so dug... But she so dug the oh fact that God, people that were like so terrifying. giving her double looks like, is that a kid or is that a little statue? Like they, and then I was, after a while I was like, hey, let's come up in the house and get you some dinner. And she was so digging that she had not moved. So she wanted the bragging rights to go. I stood down there for five hours. Every trick or treater went by me. She loved it. She thought she it was, was so hilarious. The, the, the double takes that she would get because she really wouldn't move. And she was in a little zombie makeup. It was really cute. I'll send you a picture of that. Um, I love that she's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. We're going to send everybody on Twitter, um, on <laughs> Spotify, that as well. <laughs> well, we'll post it on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's one it, of those like, commitment, well, and I love the fact that Instagram. his son will not take off the Spider-Man outfit. Mwah. I love it. Um, speaking of commitment, I there's something about Allison mm. I wanted to talk about this because it reminded me of when I was a little girl. Mm. Um, when I was a little girl... My mom wanted me to have all these amazing extracurricular activities and to provide opportunities so that, you know, you can experience everything. So like little kids taking ballet. And when I was older, it was like tap dance and jazz. And then it was like tennis lessons and it was piano lessons. And, um, and, you know, my, my parents are Jewish and, uh, they wanted me to go to Hebrew school when I was little and I only liked going to Hebrew mm. school when they made challah because, yeah. like, you could have challah and grape so juice, good. and it was so delicious. It's bread, you know, bread and sugar water. So, but I always used to be like, ugh, I don't want to go. Ugh, I hate piano. It's too hard. Ugh, my fingers hurt when I play the guitar. I was always, comp- like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was always, like, not appreciative of the opportunity and... It's so opposite with Alice because she is so interested in so many things, but I'm so surprised because she slept at her friend's house and one of her friends is Jewish and has these Zoom, uh, I don't want to say, or Judaism class, I guess. But it's it's not about Judaism or learning Hebrew. It's more about the culture and like, what does it mean to be uh, a mensch? What does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean? And they're talking about like true qualities and not actually like, I'm going to have a bat mitzvah. I need to learn none of that stuff. It's not about the performative aspect of religion. It's about what it actually helps you focus on spiritually. And Alice is obsessed with it. And she's like, mom, can I take Hebrew or Judaism classes and you know mm-hmm. m- her mom Michelle was Irish Catholic and you are atheist from some sort of a Lutheran family or something like that lapsed Catholic and could not give a shit Lutheran those were my mom those are my mom and dad right but what it is for me is not necessarily like what religion you aspire to or align with as much as what does this teach you um emotionally And the fact that she's like, can I please take this class? Mm -hmm. And of course, my heart is beaming because, you know, I'm Jewish and I love the fact that she (laughs) wants to take it. I was like, ugh, no, when I was little. And and you know how Jewish people have bar and bat mitzvahs? Right. This this lady who does these things uh, calls them a be mitzvah. So what are you going to be? What is the mitzvah? What is the blessing in your life that you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Anyway, so she's super into that and I love the idea of a spiritual class just to talk about the kind of person you are. She also is like, mom, can I take piano? And I was like, sure, we'll get you a piano uh, lesson. 
And her first lesson was a half hour. And she's like, I really love it. Can I take an hour? Yeah. And I was just blown away at the enthusiasm. And it sort of made me feel like it's nice to sort of let your child discover their passions and then be like, whatever you really want. You know, if they don't have any and they're sitting around, you know, playing video <laughs> games all day, it's nice to say to your kid, hey, listen, why don't you try soccer? Please, something. <laughs> why don't you get out there and play basketball? Yeah. But the fact that it's coming from her is such a a prideful moment for me just for the kind of person she is. But also, like, it's just a great way to consider parenting, you know, talk to your kids about what they are really passionate about and ask them what they want to do and hopefully – It'll be those things. And if not, then you can propose ideas for them. But I love it. Yeah. We kind of lucked out in that Alice doesn't look at these things as stuff she has to do. It's stuff that she gets to do. So she's she's curious. So um, – and yeah. the pant- And it is a privilege to have these – to have the ability to have these lessons. Yeah. Like, you oh, know. my God. And then recently she said she wants to have acting class. Oh, God. And, you know, <laughs> I have to talk about this for a minute because when I was growing up – I, I was um, born and raised in Malibu, small little beach community, and one of my friends at school was one of the little girls on Little House on the Prairie, uh, the youngest uh, Carrie, and I not Michael Landon, not Michael Landon, not no. Michael Landon, and um, after I slept over at her house one night, I was like, "Mom, I want to be an actress," and she said, "Well, you have to take acting class," and there was a lady. Um, this little Malibu lady who had like a little shack on the beach mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, and the class was made up of like five kids and we would do all these really cool exercises where it's sort of like, okay, all of you get on, get into the middle of the room. Um, everybody lay down except Meredith. And then she'd say, okay, you just had a plane crash and all your friends are dead. Oh my God. <laughs> and it was sort of like. What? But that, That's horrifying. Yeah, we. Oh my God, this is the kind of acting class I love. Ugh. It's the kind of thing that it's like you get into the nitty gritty and you find the truth of it as opposed to like acting classes where it's like, okay, smile, say, Barbie's hair changes color in water. Like I wanted like the truth of getting to like what actually makes an authentic actor. Are you sure they weren't, this very are you natural- sure they weren't training you to be like assassins like in Black Widow? Was this some kind of weird brainwashing thing where you were actually- well, don't you know all the ch- child actors are assassins? You didn't know that? We're all spies. I see. I've read. You know all what? There's us. a 4chan thread about this. I knew it. They talk about they talk about the Illuminati, but really it's child actors who are infiltrating yes. everywhere. Um, anyway, so when she said that she wanted to have uh, take acting class, I had to find an acting teacher who isn't just trying to get these kids on commercials. And I did, and I, I found this lady, and I said to her, I want to know how you work. I don't want – Alice is not trying to be on commercials. She's not trying to get a job. She's not trying – she just wants to, you know – She likes the activity. Do yeah, acting yeah, yeah. exercises and improv yeah. and, and get to the emotional heart of the matter. And it's almost like um, therapy in a way also, truthfully, yeah. like to tap into things in your life that elicit responses. Anyway, I was just excited that she wanted that kind of reality, um, naturalistic – kind of authentic acting as well. That's so cool. Um, so. And the piano lessons yeah, she's are ass. really interesting because the guy that's teaching her, instead of just going, we're going to learn the notes, he's like, is there a song you like? And she loves that Coldplay song, Clocks. So um, dun, dun, th- dun, they just dun, started dun, playing dun. it. 
Well, it starts off with it starts off with a very beautiful piano thing. Yeah. And I remember talking to our friend Michael Penn, and he said, "Yeah, when I was growing up, I learned he's a great piano player." And he said, "I would pick a song that I liked, learn it by ear on the piano, learn how to play it, and then just start doing variations on it to see how it would sound slower or in a different key or faster." And when Alice practices, she'll play the Coldplay song, but then she'll do it slower or she'll emphasize different notes. Like you could see her using one song to then explore all these other, and it's really cool to listen to it. Like while I'm writing, I can hear it happening, and it's really neat. I just want to ask you mm-hmm. something. You said Michael Penn is a piano player. Did you go out of your way not to say pianist? Because <laughs> it's really a hard word to say. He also is an amazing pianist, but that's a whole other... He has an OnlyFans page you can go check out. Um, just in a, but, but again, it was, a, it was the... Like most great uh, um, musicians, when you go into their background, it was they heard a song they liked, they learned it on whatever instrument they wanted to master, and then from that grew all of their other mastery. And it's amazing. The Beatles did it that way because there weren't really... So it's almost like we're recreating, even though he's a formal piano teacher, but he's recreating that situation where you're following passion and curiosity rather than hit this note, hit this note, hit this note, you know, which I love. Basically what we're saying is that all these things that you approach in life, there are rigid rules to teach sometimes, like a religion. Mm -hmm. You must learn this language. You must learn this. Um, Piano, you have to learn the notes first. Mm -hmm. Like there are these rigid ways of thinking and... What we're saying is it's fascinating to watch the authentic growth of Mm -hmm. these things and different ways of teaching and that it's so much more exciting um, without that rigidity behind it. And I I, I really And by the way, the best part of uh, especially uh, organized religion or religious systems is people sitting around and arguing about the text uh, that happens in Islam, it happens in Judaism, Catholicism, Christianity. People get around and they argue about what does this mean? What does that mean? They're not the the the. the well, it's critical thinking. Well, you know, you're talking about stories and you're using yeah. your. But it, but, but but the real to, searchers. To talk about it. The real searchers aren't just following the dogma and following. I mean, yes, there are people who follow a religion who just parrot back whatever is in the book. That's a that's a section of that religion that's for, that's right. where a lot of the badness comes from but the people who are truly seeking and are trying to find connections and go why would they say this but then the, you know that I love that's what it's all yeah. about it's about telling stories and questioning why these things happen what they're for what's the purpose of them how do we improve our lives all of that it's so great uh back in 2008 when Obama was running for president there was this very notorious moment that a lot of the ghouls over on Fox News thought was going to end his campaign and end his shot at the White House, which is when they um, uh, found uh, footage of Obama's pastor, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright, giving a very, very fiery sermon where he's saying, God damn America, and, and all this, you know, very angry stuff about a lot of the injustices that are in this country. And I remember specifically... Sean Hannity crowing about the fact that Obama and his family have gone to this church every Sunday for the last 20 years. And this is the kind of person that you want in the White House. And my, I have friends who are Christian who, they're not evangelicals, but they are part of 
the church culture, and they and they told me two different people told me when Sean Hannity said that Obama went to that church every Sunday for twenty years, that's when Obama won the evangelical vote because the thing about church culture that a lot of these these right wing so called Christian uh, pundits talk about they don't understand. You go to church mainly to get together with your community and check in and see what's going on every week. And when the when the service is done, you hang out and talk to your pastor or your rabbi or your priest. And sometimes you disagree with their sermon and you sit there and go, the hell was that all about, man? Well, what I was, and then you talk for like another hour. That's part of it. So there are every single evangelical watching that footage has said, yes, that is that might hurt a presidential candidate. I've seen way crazier in my church on a Sunday and we hang out afterwards and we talk and we argue. And the fact that you just said he went there every Sunday for 20 years, he's got my vote. And that is such a big part of church culture that people that try to use evangelicals for their own power, they don't understand that. They don't understand that the true religion isn't dogma and you just repeat back and everyone agrees. The real, real, uh, a real religious life involves arguments and searching. disagreement and searching. Discussion. Searching. You're searching. Searching for meaning. Yeah. You're searching for meaning. And you're searching uh, really to just, it seems to be your best self. Mm -hmm to understand the world around you, to understand meaning why, to appreciate the little things, to see gratitude in all the places. Yeah. And so so that kind of religion or that kind of dedication to, to uh, teaching yourself and trying to discover yourself yeah. is, is the best part of the religion. And part. that's a lot of thing that I think, that's a thing that I think a lot of atheists don't understand when atheists get together hang out in a coffee shop hang out in a bar and argue about why does religion ha exist in the world and can't there be a secular you're doing the same thing that religious people do you are also searching and seeking in your own way in your own sphere so the the, the coffee houses in vienna uh before the anschluss were just as full of discussion and argument as a seminary as a uh, you know, synagogue as anywhere else. It's, it's it's the same impulse. I just want to check in with other human beings. Mm -hmm. It's just all about connection and discovery. Yeah. So I just had I just had to throw that in there, and I think that that. Well, I like that. And I think that's what drove a lot of people crazy during the shutdown and during the pandemic is, you got I gotta check in with people. You just you gotta go somewhere hey, and check in. Hey, Patton, but, did you get my text uh, about? All those skirts that I was trying on recently. <laughs> yes, that was that <laughs> wasn't so just dumb. a text. That was a friggin' photo essay. That wasn't just a hey, look All at right. this. That was a this, this, and this. I was like, okay, oh my god. Anyway, well, here's the what? thing. A friend of mine has this incredible clothing <laughs> store, and she makes really cute skirts and this and that. And her whole design, she has all these designs, but she didn't have. Uh, she, I thought I said to her because she's my friend. Um, you know what would be a great design? And it's like the simplest thing in the world. It's just she has all these really cool, beautiful fabrics. And I said, just, you know, a plain, simple A-line skirt. Not a big deal. All her other things were kind of like intricate. I was like, just something you can throw on with a t-shirt right. and tennis shoes. Blah, blah, blah. It's the simplest thing ever. It's like, you know, what they might teach a kid to make in sewing class. Um, and she made the skirt and she named it the Meredith oh. <laughs> because I asked for it. 
And she sent me a few in different patterns. And she's like, here are these. I'd love it if you took a picture and posted them so people can know that these now exist for my By the Meredith. Absolutely. But here's the problem. Uh I'm not a model. I'm not good at that kind of pose for the product. Like, I I just, you know, catch capture me laughing with my kid and you'll get the best picture you've ever seen of me in your life. But but trying to make me make look good and just like to pose for an outfit for the outfit to shine is challenging. And so I needed you. I asked you if you could please photograph me in three different – and every picture I was like, oh, I don't look good there. I don't look good there. I don't – anyway – I've discovered I don't look good in any of the thousands of pictures you took. But then again, I thought, everyone knows I'm not a model. Everyone knows I'm not like, you know, the fashionista of all time. I just like this skirt. So I'm just going to post the pictures with like, hey, I tried to look cute in this picture, but don't look at me. Look at the skirt because I really like it. Just, you should have had me um, taking pictures of you like making a sandwich in the kitchen or sitting outside or like just doing <laughs> stuff in your fun skirt. What do you care? you posing. Right. Well, I have friends who are gorgeous in fashion Mm -hmm. clothes and get sent things all the time from different designers to post on their Instagram. And I don't know how they do it, but they always look so professional and good. And mine are just like, eh, it's me in a skirt. But I tried. It was stressful for me. I don't really like that kind of thing. Sorry. Do you want to take it? Do you want to take different (laughs) pictures? I did the best I could. No, I, I don't like – see, that's the oh. whole point. I really don't like taking pictures like that. Um, I like – I love when someone takes a picture of me laughing hysterically with Alice. I think that's when I look my prettiest. Or like kissing a cat. I'm always like happy exactly. doing that. I'm not good at the pose. Yeah. It didn't help that I was screaming at you like uh, Eric Roberts' character in Star 80. That probably really <laughs> made you tense up. That was not fun. It really did. <laughs> um Anyway, that was fun. I think, you know what we should what do? What should we do? Do patents Let's picks. do patents picks. We should do patents Pen picks. picks. Let's hear some good recommendation for the week. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? Tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> okay, well, first off. Tell me everything, Pat, and I'm really <laughs> Here curious. we go. First off, uh, a little movie uh, just dropped on the Paramount streaming service. I don't know where this thing came from. It was made. Last year, it is called Run and Gun, and it is directed by Christopher Borelli. It is a very uh, fun, nasty, low-stakes, down-and-dirty crime story, twisted little tale uh, about uh, violent idiots with stupid goals all fighting each other, uh, trying to get uh, a, a payday, and it has an amazing cast. They cast Richard Kind as a mob boss. Uh, the, Ooh, he's, I love he's him. so good. One of the, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. There's, there's like, it is very, very Coen brothers in that it starts off so low stakes where you can't even see this. How can this even blow up in anything? And then of course it turns into disaster and chaos and hilarity. Uh, it also has, um, the, uh, the chairman from the iron chef TV show, um, Honey, his name is Mark DeCascos. Mark DeCascos and... And Honey, mm-hmm. the reason I know his name... You're is in a because you a movie with I him. I did a movie with him 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most horrible movies. <laughs> 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 well, I was on... Yeah. I was a judge on Iron Chef when he was 
uh, the chairman, and he and our and the episode I did was pineapple, and he is. Um, he uh, meanwhile, the movie I did with him, he was fantastic. Oh, he's he's great. The movie he's great like, in everything, and yeah. he's he's great in this. And then he plays a very icy um, right hand man to Richard Kind until a crucial moment where he's looking up stuff on the internet and he kind of loses his shit, and it's hilarious. And um, the whole cast is amazing. And there is an actor named Brad William Hankey who plays a character named Billings, who comes in mid-film, steals the whole movie. He is fantastic. I want to go... Oh, I love that guy. I've seen him in so many things. He's like a character actor in a million yes. different things. And, well, I want to go... Now I want to go down a rabbit hole and see what else he's been in. He he plays Tom Cullen in that CBS uh, Stan miniseries. And... Um, but I want to see what else he's in. God, is he good. Oh, my God, yeah. is he good. So you recommend that movie, Running Gun? Highly recommend. I don't know where this they they dropped it with zero fanfare on this streaming service. That's why I love having services like um, Paramount and Shutter and uh, Arrow and stuff like that. Because sometimes on a Tuesday or a Friday, some movie will just get dropped. It's the equivalent of back in the seventies when on a Wednesday for two days there'd be a movie at a drive-in from out of nowhere, and then it would just vanish. Um, although oh, now they're man. here for all the time. I, I love, love drive-in it. movies. Me too. I used to go to drive-ins with my parents. We had a huge uh, Country Squire station wagon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and my God. sister and I would bring our sleeping bags and they'd put down the back seat and my sister and I would have <sighs> our little sleeping bags and little pillows and we would go to a drive-in and uh. we would watch and um, we would fall asleep. And, you know, like the 70s on the way home, they just drive us Hell sleeping yeah. in the back. Why not? No seatbelts, nothing. Um, no. Do you have they, another pick? I have a couple oh, other picks. Um, Let's hear them. TV. Well, uh, as we speak today, the new season, season two of Space Force has just dropped. Uh, Space which, Force? Which I'm in. Uh, and it, so it's, Patton, it's a, what aren't you in, honestly? You're ridiculous. literally in everything. But and in, I don't know half the shit you're in. And people are like, <laughs> oh, I saw your husband in this thing. I was like, what is that? He's in that? Uh, Space Force season two streaming now on Netflix. You know, I'm not watching enough TV. Maybe I'll watch it all today. Um, ha, ha, ha. Books, you know what? I've actually haven't been reading a lot because I've been reading a lot of scripts. Uh, as, as a lot of people in showbiz will tell you, uh, nothing happens forever and then everything happens at the same time. And I've been offered, I have four different scripts I have to read, none of which I can talk about right now. They're all really, really interesting. Um, but I have not really been reading a lot of books. I have scripts now on my iPad and that's what I read at night. Um, although I did pre-order, speaking of, Alice um, wanting to take this um, uh, uh, Hebrew school class, this Zoom Hebrew school class. I bought Alice a copy. It hasn't come yet. It's Judaism class, I think. Oh, Hebrew is, is the language. Oh, oh, Judaism. Judaism's the religion. I bought her a copy of Leo Rostin's uh, The Joys of Yiddish, which I read growing up because um, I was a big Harlan Ellison fan. And um, some of his stories like Mother and... I'm looking for Kadak. Had a lot of Yiddish Wait, phrases sorry. in them. Harlan Edison. Harlan, Harlan Ellison. Ellison. Harlan Ellison wrote Mother. No, he wrote a short story called Mother. Not the oh, no, not, not the, the movie. movie. No, 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 no. Um, and a lot of these would ha and at the end of especially the story I'm looking for Kadak, which is about Jewish aliens trying to form a minion to save their planet. Um, there's a whole. Yiddish glossary, and it's so well written. The glossary itself is hilarious, like how he explains. Well, it's a true story. We are aliens. We are blue, we are blue aliens with 11 feet. Um, so uh, then he recommended getting this book, and the book is fantastic. It's a Yiddish 
phrase or word, then there's a definition of it, and then he illustrates it. Instead of using a sentence, he uses an old um, Borscht Belt joke to show you how that word works, and it is brilliant. That's so funny because the other day we were speaking to the rabbi who was going to teach Alice that class, and we were telling, I was telling her our back, Alice's background, and I said, you know, her mom's Irish Catholic, I'm Jewish, and Patton was like, well... I'm sort of honorary Jewish. I mean, I'm a comedian. <laughs> I'm one-fourth Jewish. I'm a comedian. Yeah, you said you're one-fourth Jewish. You're a comedian. Yeah. Uh, but there's some really funny. good and also just great cultural uh, explanations for – my favorite one in in the Choice of Yiddish is the one where he explains why why does everyone like a bagel with cream cheese, lox, a little bit of onion, and some tomato? Because it's delicious. Well, yeah, exactly. But like, where does where does that come from? How did those? How did that combination come together? Ah, so the joke that, did it. well, he joke. Here's the joke that he tells that explains this. A man from Mars lands in New York City. He looks uh, over to his right and sees a Jewish deli. Uh, he walks inside and says, "What are those brown wheels in the window?" And the guy at the counter goes, oh, those aren't wheels. Those are called bagels. They're very delicious. Let me make you one. And he toasts up the bagel, and he hands it to the man from Mars who has never seen anything on Earth, has never experienced Earth. He takes the bagel, he bites it, and chews it, and goes, that is delicious. You know what would be great on that? Cream cheese, lox, and like a little bit of onion and tomato. In other words, it just, no one, it's just there. You bite it and go, oh yeah, that would be perfect. There's no explanation. It's perfect. <laughs> that is such a dumb story. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know what I love, Patton? What? I love you. Oh, thank you. Can I recommend one more thing? Oh, sure. Comics, uh, issue eight of Tom King's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, uh, just came out. So that's the whole series now, <gasps> all eight issues. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. It is a, it is a basically an interstellar retelling of the, the novel True Grit, with Supergirl in the Jeff Bridges role, and it is, as as Rooster Cogburn, basically, it is, Tom King is such a brilliant comic book writer, and they got the artist, Bilquis Evely, gorgeous art, and it's a little girl trying to avenge her father who's been killed, and Supergirl is helping her, and it is such a brilliant comic, and a great telling of Supergirl, so... Isn't it interesting how many amazing creative things there are out there? Like, there are just so many things to delve into. It's really, you know, this world is also a good place, <laughs> in addition to a terrible place. It's, as, as Hemingway says, and I'm paraphrasing, it's a good world and worth fighting for. And I, I hope if so. they ever do a cartoon of Supergirl, they get an amazing actress to do her voice. Haha, ha, I actually did play Supergirl <laughs> in a movie. I played Supergirl's voice, and that was fun. That was really Hey, Patton. Fun. But This was fun listening and chatting with you. It was great. I love this. How about next Tuesday? How about next Tuesday? I'll see you then. See you guys then. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free and it helps us get to keep making the show. Starburns Audio. A, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.